0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Repair Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Takovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Takovis store where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Takovas' ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Decovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing Like a Local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing Like a Local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: A dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. John Lennon
2: it is called Mount Isolation because it's really far from all the uh, any other, you know, high peaks. So it's not one you're like getting a whole bunch of rewards on with multiple peaks or things. And we hiked Mount Isolation in winter and it was our second attempt at isolation in winter. The first time we attempted it, we actually got like, what, two, two and a half miles up trail yeah. and, tur- and turned around. So having had that like bad feeling of not Accomplishing what we set out to do, we set out again, and it was the next year. So we, had, we waited a whole whole year on this. And Mount Isolation in winter doesn't require, but it is better to for the route to do a bushwhack that you don't do in summer because it's too thick a brush. But you know, on top of the snowpack, you can. So you know, this is where I did my my obsessive you know research on where to where to go, how do you how, what where on the trail to to look for, to where do you take this bushwhack. It's not a herd path kind of bushwhack. It's a take a compass bearing and head off into the off, off trail into the wilderness kind of bushwhack. So, we're doing this in, in the winter. We got the snowshoes on. I take the compass bearing. I'm like, I'm going this way. And it's, you know, frigid. I think it was in the teens.
3: And we, we ran into a line of trees. We, we ran into a line right of trees. <laughs> we,
2: you know, you backtrack, you figure out another way around it. We get that line go, going across and we get out past the bushwhack and we hit the trail again. It's like a bushwhack from trail to trail. I'm like, okay, we got this now. Then so we start heading up, and we had you know a few fresh inches of snow, so we lost the trail because the trail was all covered, and it started petering out. We found found our way to the to the ridgeline trail, um, really like sheer determination that we're going going to make it. We're like a mile away from the summit. Our fingers are starting to starting to freeze. We looked at each other and and gave ourselves a, we're like, all right, we can keep going, but like we we have a turnaround time. Like we need to we got we, I think we gave ourselves like a half an hour more.
1: I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod.
0: Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck
1: welcome back to another week on the trail i'm doc and this is the john freaking Muir pod let's start off with a reminder if you are enjoying the podcast take just a minute help us out leave us a review on apple Podcasts. and if you're not enjoying the pod well just go ahead and keep that to yourself all right let's get to this week's guests this week we are talking to a married couple who have crossed off some serious accomplishments in the outdoors here to talk to us this week about how to adventure and stay happily married are Kevin and Kathy. Welcome to the John freaking Muir Pod, you two.
3: Thank you. Yeah, Thanks for having us.
1: Now, as we are, are, as we're talking this evening, I'm in Southern California. Where are you guys located?
3: We're in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, Boston. Okay. Right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Big cold spell right there right now. Right.
2: Yeah. We got single digits overnight tonight. gonna be great.
1: And I don't, are you guys wearing jackets?
3: I'm um, kind of, yeah. I mean, like you're, you're repping your Patagonia. Yeah, I got my, my R1 <laughs>
2: on, keeps me toasty even when it's so
3: cold inside.
1: <laughs> what What is the thermostat setting inside your house? I don't trust
3: it. We but... don't trust it. We live in like an old Boston apartment. It's like, you know, it says 65, but it could be like 72. Okay. <laughs> unclear.
1: Nice. Now, are you guys uh, sports fans at all?
0: A
2: little bit. I watch some baseball and hockey, but yeah not not I, i'm a red sox fan but not other boston sports we'll, we'll put it that way because okay
1: all right very good uh over here in southern california somehow we be we, we became connected to the patriots and so big patriots fans over here and my daughter and i oldest daughter and i went back in december of 2019 flew back for a for a uh, patriot versus chiefs game in december mm-hmm. and that was, a, that was a lot of fun and uh, now of course you know i I'm still a Patriots fan, but I also, uh, I'm a Bucks fan now as well with, with Tom being down there. So yeah.
3: <laughs> we know a lot of people who are loyal and yeah. <laughs> it's not us, but we understand.
1: Got it. Got it. Now, Hey, in all your adventures, have you guys picked up a trail name? Cause we only go by trail names here on the podcast.
2: So I heard that and uh, from listening to previous episodes, we do not, we have not picked up trail names. Okay. We've had some suggestions for each other things, uh, and kind of nothing has really like fully stuck and we're Kind of waiting for maybe our, our next big adventure and we know something will stick then. We'll see what materializes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, it'll be Kevin and Kathy, unless we, we somehow stumble upon some trail names <laughs> during the episode here.
3: Yeah.
2: Open to suggestions we might not take them, but you know, that's, that's the nature with trail.
3: Names. Maybe after this people will throw in some suggestions for us. And if something <laughs> sticks, you know, nice. We'll
1: I like it. I like it. All right. Hey, have you guys had a chance to listen to any episodes of the podcast?
3: Yeah, we've listened to a few. Mm-hmm. I think we've listened to different ones, but yeah.
1: Okay. I only ask because I want to make sure you're aware of a segment towards the end of the episode where I turn to you and ask you for your pro tip insight of the week, where you're going to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. And you know what? With two of you, our listeners get a bonus bit of trail wisdom this episode. So I'm going to be looking for, for a piece of uh, a pro tip from each of you tonight. Okay. So don't be surprised when we get there. Try not to disappoint. <laughs> okay. Now, hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must-bring gear review sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Outdoor Vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Kevin and Kathy, again, this is this is all bonus for us because we get, we, get, we get to hear twice what the uh, the must-bring Piece of gear is, and I don't know about you guys, but uh, every time I read that sentence, I get a little sweaty about thinking about a stranger packing my bag. So that that makes me nervous.
2: Uh, If if I can only choose one piece, I really need like my luxury item. I need a pillow to sleep in the backcountry, like well. And for me, it's worth carrying a little extra weight for for that. So my must must bring piece is a, uh, a pillow. I've been using the Nemo Philo pillow, but it's pretty heavy. So I, I have now, I don't know if it's an upgrade or a downgrade, uh, but I just got the Sea to summit Eros pillow that I'm going to be bringing on the, on the Appalachian trail. That's the plan. So hopefully that's comfy enough for me.
1: Okay. So Kevin, the, the multi-purpose stuff sack with some clothes in it doesn't, doesn't work for you as a pillow.
2: I tried it and I would, you know, the terrible neck pain, barely sleeping at all through tossing and turning through the night. It's, it's worth the, the extra ounces for me.
1: I, I am with you. 100%. I, I went, I tried the multi-purpose stuff sack with some clothes in it. And even when the clothes were clean, it was still difficult to, uh, to, <laughs> to really get to sleep, um, properly. So, all right. How about you, Kathy?
3: This is such a hard question because it's about foot care, and my feet are so important. I'll have to pick my Ultra Lone Peak trail runners. I will only wear those because of the wide toe box. I've tried so many other trail runners, and they just pinch my feet, and I'm in really bad shape. Uh, and. I know I can only pick one, but if I were to pick a runner up combo with that, it would be the Injinji toe socks because I have major blister issues. And so the combo of those two really protect my feet. Otherwise I've had some really bad blisters and bad experiences.
1: What a fantastic combination. I agree with both of those, not not only the pillow, but also the, the ultra Lone Peaks and the Injinji toe socks. Those are fantastic. If your feet are hurting, Forget about enjoying the rest of the hike. Enjoying yeah. all the other things that come along with a hike. I mean, all you can think about is that next step and how it's going to hurt.
3: One hundred percent. And I've had too many hikes like that, and I finally settled on this combo, and it's been the best thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had uh, a what was the brand that I had before the ultras? I can't even remember, but I was just waiting for that pair to run to to wear out, so I can get the ultra Lone Peaks, and they've Ooh. been fantastic really enjoy those never looking back
3: no absolutely not
1: <laughs> all right hey i've got uh, a little little something here to help us continue our conversation about gear uh I, I was trying to be clever and i titled this the hiking pole and it's not p-o-l-e it's p-o-l-l <laughs> and uh, it's going to help me decide you know where you guys score on the crazy uh spectrum with gear so you guys ready here no no pressure. All but right. I'm going to be rating each of you on these. I'm on interested this.
2: in the rating. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. All
1: is. right. So uh, first question, fairly easy, trekking poles or no trekking poles,
3: trekking poles, poles every time.
1: And, and why, for those people out there who, who, who think, Oh, you know what? Those look weird. People hiking with those. I'm, I'm going to look weird. People are going to, going to laugh at me for, for having trekking poles. What, what do you say to them?
2: You know, I actually thought, I thought that first also, uh, but it's, it's really to save my knees on the descent. I've had had not like, you know, you know, issues needing like medical stuff, but you know, just not feeling good. And then I actually feel like I hike faster with them. I get in like the nice, like rhythm kind of, kind of moving. and, And so I think our speed is higher.
3: Yeah. I would agree with that. Also, I don't know if other people get it where your hands swell a lot when they're by your sides, but then when you have poles, you don't have that same issue. And I have some circulation stuff. So I've noticed my fingers are like huge. If I leave my hands by my side for too long, so the poles are great because it kind of cuts that out.
1: Yeah. They're like sausages hanging off your palms.
3: One hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know exactly
1: what you're talking about. Yeah. And people think that, oh, the poles are are most useful on the uphill, but you're Kevin, you're exactly right. I mean, the downhill saves your knees. Being able to take a little pressure off of that. It's, it's uh, crucial.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't hike without them.
1: Okay. I think I know how this next question is going to go, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Boots or trail runners?
3: Trail runners. Yeah. Yeah. Unless we're winter hiking, it is trail runners all the way.
1: Do you guys do a lot of winter hiking?
3: Yeah. We're, we've been getting into it. So we'll, we'll, we can talk about it, but we're hiking the New Hampshire 48, 4,000 footers in winter, and we're hoping to finish probably in the next three weeks or so. Mm-hmm. If the weather
2: cooperates, which is always a big if in winter in New England.
1: Right, right. Now, we, before we, we got on air here, we were talking a little bit about a guest that I interviewed last night, uh, Apple Pie, who is currently out on the North Country Trail. Do you know that she set the FKT, unsupported FKT for females, of the 48, the, the 48 4,000 footers in New Hampshire. She did all 48 in nine days.
2: I did not know that, but I'm not surprised.
1: <laughs> Unreal.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Unreal is right. Incredible. All right. Next one tent or tarp?
2: Tent. Like having some bug protection.
1: Okay. If there were no we,
2: bugs, for a little bit. Oh. Yeah. And, and that, and that was nice, like a little, little better sleep, but
3: yeah, I don't know. We kind of, of like, that. maybe it's because we share too. Like we share a tent. We're not a couple that sleep in their own tents. I know everyone's got their own setup mm-hmm. in their system, but it almost feels like our little home. When you have a whole tent, it feels like, okay, this is our space. And this is like, we have privacy and we don't, I don't know. I just feel like it's nice to carve out your little space when you're outside, especially as a couple Right. Just nice to have.
1: And you know what I just realized is I need to amend that question to include a third option, the, uh, the hammock tent tarper hammock. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What if there are no bugs Mm. that change your opinion or you like the enclosed sense of, you know, being out of everything (laughs) for a bit.
2: Probably still, still tent. Yeah. Little fabric wall makes all the difference. Feels like, right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How about sleeping bag or quilt?
3: New quilt people. We just got our enlightened equipment quilts for uh, the Trans-Catalina Trail, and that was kind of our shakedown for the Appalachian Trail and loved them. They were great. So I think I'm a newly converted quilt person.
1: Yep. Quilts are the way to go. I agree. I agree. Now you said you're doing the Trans-Catalina Trail?
3: We just did it in November.
1: Oh, nice. Is that on our list of discussion points here?
3: It can be. It can, yeah, let's, let's <laughs> add it on there. All right.
1: What did, are, yeah, what did you think? What did you think of the Trans Catalina?
3: I loved it. It was an awesome three. What do we hiked for three days? We're there for four nights or so, mm-hmm. but it was like lovely. It was like perfect weather because we went in November. It was mm-hmm. not busy at all, and it wasn't for us. I didn't feel super hard, so it felt like okay. These are really nice trails pretty gentle walking there's some elevation but it's just gorgeous views you have ocean you know you have cactus yeah. or cacti you have bison camping just, camping by the beach getting to take a little swim at the end of the day right great yeah it's a nice little break from the new england fall winter
1: i bet us. i bet hey we're gonna take a little side trail here and we're gonna spend a little bit of time on the trans catalina before we get back to the rest of the hiking pool just because I've, I've done the trans catalina twice i think it's fantastic uh, did you did you guys camp at Parsons Landing?
2: That was the one thing we missed out on. Oh so no, you planned you, it. I know we planned it a little last minute, um, uh, and so those sites were all all booked. So we just did a really long day hike from Two Harbors out to Parsons Landing and and back. So we hung okay. out there for a little while, had a nice long lunch. Okay, didn't get to camp.
1: Well, at least you saw it, and yeah. and that is something I want to emphasize to our listeners out there because I made this. I, I I made the same mistake. Uh, the first time I hiked the Trans catalina Trail, and that is you have to book each campsite individually, mm-hmm. right? And so I thought, okay, we're going to start on this day. This is the day I'm going to start, and uh, I'm going to camp at Blackjack the first night, right? So I made that reservation, and then you have to book the next the next campsite. So that's uh, I think Little Harbor. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to camp there that night, the next night, and then uh, from Little Harbor to Two Harbor, that's not a very long not a very long March, five like miles, five, yeah. five, five miles or something. So we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop at two harbors. We're gonna going to keep going to Parsons. And, uh, I went to book Parsons. I'm like, Oh, there's only eight campsites there and it, and they're all booked up. And so I'm like, Oh, that was stupid. You need to start at Parsons landing, book that one first, and then work your way backwards. So there's a ton of spots at little Harbor and a ton of spots at, at blackjack. So
2: it's a great tri- great tip to yeah anchor your trip around when you can get Parsons Landing.
1: Yep. So that, that right there, That's my pro tip for the episode. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. a good pro Trans- tip. Done. That's right. Okay. All right. And did you see any bison? Yeah.
3: Yes. So we saw a couple of bison and we did not see this bison, but in the middle of the night while we were at Little Harbor. I woke up and I could just hear really loud noises, like very close to my head and I could not see them. And I just, was like, I have to just talk myself down off this ledge. I was like, you don't want to look outside of your tent. There's nothing you can do except go right back to sleep. And we're like, it had to have been a bison. And the next day we just saw a really large turd that it left us literally next to our heads outside of our tent. But that bison was just eating next to like grass next to my face for a while. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so scary.
1: you know what, Kevin, that's okay. You had that single wall of nylon there. You are fine. (laughs) You're fine. Not
2: getting through at that's all. That's
1: right. Not. I a stuck problem. right
2: through it. I put the earplugs in. I didn't hear a thing. <laughs> I was horrified.
1: <laughs> as I as I told Apple Pie last night when I was talking to her, if ignorance is bliss, I've been the happiest man on the planet quite a few times. So
2: yeah,
1: yeah. And did you stop at the airport for breakfast?
2: We did not plan it right to eat a lot at the airport we got there like you know mid-afternoon snack uh we actually did our first day we bypassed blackjack and we did 18 plus miles all the way from uh hermit gulch and avalon all the way to little harbor so we got there in the afternoon when we were you know feeling all right but after a long hike already got some fries and cold drinks and it was a great great little spot
1: wow that's pretty impressive 18 miles day one hermit gulch to uh, to little harbor they, in building the Trans-Catalina Trail, you, you guys have realized that you know they they there's they're not aware of a thing called a switchback. It just goes straight up. Right. Straight up and straight down. There, there's no there's no back and forth to take the pain out of the out of the climb. So 18 hey, we're, miles, we're, that's pretty impressive.
2: We're used to that. Hiking in the White Mountains in New Hampshire, they also don't know what switchbacks are. They're not graded for horse horse travel, like a lot of the trails out west that are so nice. So we're used to going straight, straight up the mountain, yeah. just like home.
1: <laughs> nice. And you know, you know, there's a lot of signs on the island about you know not getting within, I think, 80 feet or 65 feet of the of the bison. The unfortunate part is the bison, they don't read those signs. So I mean, so. at night or in the morning when you get up, get up in camp and, and there's a bison just a, a few feet away, that that's pretty startling. So
3: it's super startling. Yeah, they don't heed that kind of advice <laughs> or the warnings. Um, but we're here. We live to tell the tale.
1: <laughs> Do you know how the bison got over there?
3: Yeah. Movie set or something, right?
1: That's right. That's right. I think it was a, it was in the 40s or the 50s. They they flew a bunch of bison over there. Or maybe they didn't fly. Maybe they boated. They they took, a, <laughs> took them on a boat, and then they uh, included them in this this western film that they were shooting. And then they edited edited them out of the movie. They 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 found the cutting room floor, and so they didn't actually appear in the movie. And they said, you know what? It's too expensive to bring them back. We're just going to leave them here.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. Just do whatever. Who cares? Leave them on the island. No.
1: Right. Right.
2: <laughs> now a selling point. <laughs>
1: all right hey what was your favorite moment on the trail in in catalina
3: good question yeah do you have one one? go for it no i don't oh you don't um Hmm. i guess the first one that comes to my mind is swimming at little harbor because that was a long day it was 18 miles we got there just at sunset so it was freezing the water was super cold but we're like hey we're really hot we're gonna go for a quick swim and then watch the sunset that was a pretty great day
1: yeah yeah
2: i think i really liked the the section of trail hiking out of little harbor uh climbs a lot go goes up you're like right along some like cliff faces and you get to like look out towards the end of catalina island which you know you know you're gonna hike the next day as you're going out so that was that was pretty cool
1: yeah that that is an incredible vista as you're you're hiking up that that ridge and you've got the water right off your left that's it's absolutely beautiful now little harbor there's actually two harbors there, right? There's one on, on the, the right side of the what they call it the whale tail promontory, mm-hmm. uh, which is called Little Harbor. And then on the other side to the left of the promontory, is it's something to do with shark. Is it shark bite? Shark or Harbor, or Harbor or yeah. Shark Harbor. Got it. And when we were there, we were playing a little uh um, two-man football on the on the beach in Little Harbor, and there was a seal carcass on the beach, half of a seal carcass. Ooh. And so you're taking your dip over there in, in Little Harbor. Who knows what, what's what's no, the uh, shark's shark yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, okay.
3: I will say that we did hear seals all night long when we were at two harbors. two harbors. Like the seals would not stop making noise. And we were, is that a seal that has to be all night? All morning. It was like a like a rooster in the morning or something like that. But a seal. So wow.
1: Wow. Okay back to the pole. That was a nice diversion, little side <laughs> trail there. I love talking about the trans Catalina. It's a fantastic 38 mile, uh, hike with just incredible views. you got the, the ocean views, but then there's also, you, there's a portion of the trail where you're going from the uh, mainland side of the Island to the, to the, 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 the what the Japanese side of the Island, I, I guess I would phrase it. And you're, you're going overland and you, you don't see the ocean at all. It's like, you're you're in California in the middle of, uh, some hills and and desert. So pretty, pretty interesting terrain.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's a cool place. Okay. A, uh, stove Coke, uh, stove Coke, stove or cold soak or stoveless
2: stove stove all the way. I need need some hot food to fuel
3: me. Yeah. I need the coffee in the morning. We'll see if that's going to change over time, but as (laughs) of right now, I need that.
1: Yeah. If you said cold soak, it was an automatic 10 point deduction. So <laughs> you guys, you guys are scoring strong here. All right. Last question. Long trails. Should they be hiked northbound or southbound?
2: <laughs> we're, we're, we're really non-traditional. We you, we're planning uh, our Appalachian trail and we are going to we're planning to flip-flop. So we're oh. gonna hike part of it northbound and then part of it southbound. So I guess I have to say both.
3: Any way you'd like to do hike, hike your own hike. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay. I'd have to amend this question as well. Northbound, <laughs> southbound, or foot flop.
3: <laughs> Sorry. We're just like poking holes in all of these <laughs> questions here.
1: Very good. I mean, you, for, for some of these questions, you're flying right at the top and, and, you know, others, you kind of took a little dip. So I'm, I'm going to score you guys at about a, a, a 75. Okay. All right. I took, I took an automatic 20 points off just because you're through hikers. Cause you know, that's yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah you, can't be. you guys are a little bit crazy. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's how it works. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail here, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about your, your background, where you grew up, any sports and hobbies uh, you may have played growing up, and how you got involved in, in through hiking And of course, we want to hear the origin story of you two. How did you guys meet?
2: <laughs> so starting with hometown, we actually get to say the same. We met in high school. Um, we grew up out, outside Washington, D.C., northern Virginia, and we met towards the end of high school. Um, in terms of like backpacking outdoors, I wait, wait, like-
1: wait, 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 were you guys high school sweethearts?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So we've been together
3: for 15 years and we've been married for 10 of those years. Correct. Correct. That is correct. <laughs> Went over this just to make sure earlier, um, <laughs> <laughs> but nice. yeah, we uh, met in high school, we were ready in college. And so we knew where we were going to school and we did long distance for all of college from Virginia to New York. And then he moved up to New York after he gra- we graduated. And that was it.
1: Yep. The rest is history. I am also uh, half of a, a high school sweetheart marriage.
3: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah. And I remember <laughs> my wife's first words to me in high school. I walked into AP Bio, first day of 10th grade, and uh, saw an open seat next to this beautiful young lady. And I sat down in it, and I'm looking straight ahead, and I can see out of the corner of my eye that she's looking in my direction. And she says, excuse me. I'm thinking, all right, here we go.
2: Wanted, yeah.
1: yeah, And she says, can you please move? I was saving that seat for my friend.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. The rest, and the rest <laughs> is history. There you go. Love that.
1: She claims she doesn't remember that, but I was I was emotionally scarred. I remember that very clearly. So,
3: mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's too good. Yeah. We, we just met at a high school, a good old high school party, you know, in senior mm-hmm. year.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now. Now, growing up, was was camping and hiking? Was that part of your your family's hobbies and activities?
3: I'll let you take this one. Is that we have very different? I think. Yeah, well, not really. Like
2: the hiking, camping. I went camping maybe twice as a kid, some front country stuff. Um, but we always enjoyed getting outdoors. Um, so I, I grew up liking the outdoors, but not necessarily hiking, backpacking, um, doing that. So I. Kind of got, got into it, got into the camping and backpacking aspect later.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I did not do anything in the outdoors. Like minus going out into you know, the street to play with like games with your friends or something. Definitely not an outdoors person. Didn't spend much time out there. Didn't camp. I think the first time I went camping was with Kevin when we were, you know, in our twenties and he was trying to prep me for going to Peru because we were going to go to Machu Picchu and hike the Salkantay Trek. And I knew nothing. Hate bugs. (laughs) Don't know how I've gotten here now. It's just really been a progression over time.
1: But yeah, it's like the frog sitting in the boiling pan of water or the boiling pot of water. Kevin just kept turning up the heat a little bit, you know, a couple (laughs) of degrees. You don't even notice. (laughs) And you don't even notice. And all of a sudden, she's she's living in the dirt and uh, having a good time.
2: I probably turned up the heat a little too fast. He did. <laughs>
3: he turned it up pretty fast. He even, um, when he was trying to get me into backpacking and hiking and things like that, he sat me down and did a PowerPoint presentation about all the things that he thought I would like about hiking and backpacking. And he literally sat me down, put a computer in front of me. was like, you can't use your phone right now. You need to watch this. He's like, this could be you. This could be you practicing yoga on this mountain. And then years later. It took
2: five years for I, this to, to work. But five years later. Five
3: years later, I was like, hey. Hey, I think we should go on like a national parks road trip and do some hiking. And he was like, Oh, what a good idea. <laughs> it's because he actually planted that idea years prior. And
1: I Kevin, just, Kevin, you and I are kindred spirits. That, that, is, <laughs> that is the approach I would have taken. And I think we've, we stumbled upon your, your trail name. You are PowerPoint. <laughs> that's that that, that's classic. That is incredible. So we're going to try out PowerPoint for the rest of the episode here. See, see how it fits. See how go, feels. Yeah. Okay. And uh, are you guys uh, only children? Do you have siblings?
2: Both have siblings. Both have yeah.
3: siblings. I have two sisters and two brothers. So I'm right in the middle.
2: And I have two sisters also, also middle. Oh, you're both middle children
1: too. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's funny. I never really thought about that because there's a big gap between me and my brothers. And so I never felt that. I always felt like the youngest. But I am. I'm a middle. You are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay. And do, do your siblings also enjoy the outdoors and go on these incredible adventures or do they think you're kind of crazy?
0: Um,
3: I think my family thinks it's really cool, kind of crazy. Like they're not interested in hiking, but they, we all love to ski and snowboard. And so there's like some, I guess there's some of that in there, but they don't understand what's happening with the hiking stuff. They're just like, that's really cool. We'll be your emergency contact. And that's about it. And we appreciate them for that. Yeah, really important. But yeah, your family, your sisters.
2: I think my my older sister is, is like, thinks it's really cool. Really supports it. It uh, is like, but that would not be what she would choose to invest her time in in that in that way. Uh, my younger sister's starting to get into it more. Right. Um, just got got some like lightweight gears some tent tent stuff like that. Um, really into wild swimming. So finding like places to go camp in natural spaces and um, get swimming in the most beautiful spots. She so. lives in but Scotland, we-
1: so. We have not had a wild swimmer on the podcast. Maybe you'll we'll have to, you'll we'll have to oh, give me you your contact information. <laughs> totally. Now are your family gatherings like my family gatherings when we have a family get together and I, I see people who I haven't seen since my last, my last hike and I start approaching them, they, they like avert their eyes and they, they walk in other directions because so they know that this guy's just going to talk crazy hiking stuff. And, and, and try and, and stress how important and awesome and incredible these experiences are. And, and they, they really, they're not interested.
2: I think we've got some interested families right now, maybe after we hike even more and we, you know, don't talk about anything else, they'll start getting, getting bored of it. But right now I think there's a, a fascination of like, wait, so you're really going to sleep in a tent for like months at a time. Like, yes, that's our plan. Um, yeah. I get to explain all that. It's fun. Yeah. a
3: lot of intrigue right now. Just like, I don't understand. Like, tell me more about what kind of food you're going to eat or like, what do you mean? You're like, where do you go to the bathroom? Like very questions like that, just like straight curiosity, because I think none of them have any experience doing it. So that's kind of mm-hmm. fun.
2: So family, when you listen to this, we're liking the questions. It's, it helps <laughs> us to process what we're going to be doing also.
1: And so Kevin, my takeaway from your comments is that I need to change up the conversation every once in a while and talk about non-hiking related stuff.
2: Yeah, and then you circle it
1: right back to hiking and they don't even know what hit them. Suck them in and yeah, (laughs) got it. Okay, very good. Now, hey, what do you guys do to pay the bills and finance your adventures? What what kind of careers are you guys involved in?
2: Uh, So I'm a teacher, I teach middle school science. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I get a lot of summertime to be able to adventure. Beautiful, beautiful.
3: And I'm a PhD student, so I'm not really financing a whole lot of our things, but at least I have some space and time and Mm -hmm. a little bit more flexibility, but we're both in the education field. so
1: Nice. As am I. I was an English teacher, high school English teacher, and then uh, later on an assistant principal and a high school principal, and now I'm at the district office. And so education is a great, great career field. Cool. I've got two of my three kids are, are in, in education or going into education. I have a high school English teacher, my son. Uh, I, I tried to warn him about this, but he didn't listen and, and became a high school English teacher anyway. And then my daughter is, my youngest daughter is a semester away from being an elementary school teacher. So okay. congratulations. Okay. I think, I think hanging hard. out with kids uh, just keeps you young. It sure does.
3: It does. I've been out of the classroom for a while and I realize I don't know a lot that's going on in terms of pop culture. So i will need to, I don't know, <laughs> get back. Hopefully I'll be done soon with my dissertation and then I can get back into it.
1: And, and may I pry a little bit What uh, what institution are you doing your PhD work at?
3: I'm at Boston College.
1: Boston College. Okay. And your dissertation is in in what area?
3: So I am studying, I'm in the college access and success kind of realm. I was a college counselor, so I am studying the influence of a certain type of charter school on students' long-term success. So not just getting into college, but what they're experiencing once they're there. And I study primarily students of color, students from low-income backgrounds and marginalized student populations to see what we need to do better to support them in succeeding.
1: Very nice. So post-secondary education for you. Yeah got it my uh my wife's cousin is a professor at harvard and her husband is on the uh, i think the is it the ninth circuit or the second circuit he's a judge out there as well so
2: i don't know, I know very little about the court system <laughs> yeah
1: <then. laughs> that's probably a good thing right yeah like,
2: sure that sounds right yeah <laughs> jury duty in a few months maybe yeah. i'll learn
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the, uh, the nitty gritty of some of their adventures. And, and hear some stories. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Meerpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultralight. Want to make a podcast? Welcome back. We are talking to PowerPoint and Kathy. Kathy, we're still looking for you. All right, we're still looking. We're on the hunt for a trail name for Kathy
3: Appreciate uh, it.
1: about uh, their experiences out in the wilderness as a married couple and how they've been able to survive this long. Because I, I tell people uh, couples that I talk to that you know when you're out on the trail you encounter, you're, you're, you encounter stressful situations. You're, you're stressed out, you're hungry, you're hangry, you're tired, and there is no hiding the real you on the trail, right? I mean, it just, it is what it is. And if you guys have been able to log, you know, all of the adventures that you've done and you guys are still happily married, then you guys are a forever couple. So congratulations (laughs) on that. All right. So tell us how you got started into hiking and, and peak bagging. I know, I know, I know that PowerPoint gave his, his PowerPoint presentation, but uh, you know, how, tell us about your, maybe just some of your first experiences and I'm sorry, I hate these long questions when I do this. Um, I'm also curious to know what people thought when they first realized that there are long trails in the U S that go from, say, Georgia to Maine, one continuous footpath, or uh, from Mexico to Canada in terms of the PCT or the CDT? What what was your, do you remember when you first realized that those things existed?
2: I don't know if I particularly remember when that I grew up with like a vague awareness that the Appalachian Trail was a thing. Uh, I definitely thought that people that would even consider hiking that far were just completely out of their minds. Like there was no way that those always something that was like, oh, people do that, but like special kind of people that I'm not one of those. And now here I am talking about how I'm planning to do that. So yeah, come things come full circle in that way.
3: Yeah. And as I mentioned, I did not grow up, you know, in a a culture of like outdoors activities or anyone who really did that. So I knew none of this stuff probably into the last five years when we started hiking ourselves. And I think it's because we hike in places where, you know, the Appalachian trail is. And so then you know, I would ask questions and people would be through hikers or Kevin would be like, Oh yeah, they, are through hiking the Appalachian trail. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then slowly you just start consuming more media and talking to more people. And then before you know it, you're just another person who's got, who has these crazy ideas of what they want to <laughs> do and what they want to through hike. Um, yeah. So it's probably pretty recent for me.
1: Yeah. Now have you guys re- encountered, uh, AT through hikers?
3: Yeah, yeah, plenty Again, of them. They, they've
1: yeah.
2: got a, a lot, yeah.
1: They've got a certain look to them, <laughs> and, a, and a smell, and a smell. Yeah. yeah,
2: that's how you know.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite stories. I was talking to um, Chris Carter, who uh, just recently became a triple crowner by hiking the CDT northbound and then the AT southbound this year, this past yeah. year. He did he did both trails in one year. And he, he was tell, when he came on to the podcast, he was talking about his experience on the PCT. And he and his buddy ended up under a bridge because of an injury. They lived under a bridge near Palm Springs. Uh, they were under bridge for a couple of days. And they were horrified to see that, you know, there was a homeless guy that had joined them. And I said, guys, I mean, he probably thought that you were kindred spirits. I mean, there was, you know, there's not a lot of distinction. Let's be honest between uh, yeah, you guys look the same, smell the same. I'm not being insensitive here. I just thought that was a a, a funny moment uh, that that uh, I mean, the, I imagine that the homeless guy was kind of horrified that oh my god, who are these two guys? So <laughs> <a>
2: bit, <clears throat> a bit of common humanity, yeah. right?
1: Uh, so back to the original question how 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 did you guys start the way?
2: <laughs> so. I shared like, you know, grew up like getting out outside, you know, walking in the woods, but not necessarily hiking and definitely not backpacking. Um, My first backpacking experiences were actually taking students on a trip. We, My school I worked at in New York City, we would take uh, our entire rising eighth grade class uh, to West Virginia and do like a, a seven day backpacking trip. And I went as the chaperone. So I was, I was not the mountain guide. We went with, you know, like actual like licensed guides that know what they're doing in the back country. Um, but it was a leadership training. And so they were, you know, kids were learning the skills of, you know, how to cook food and how to set up a tent and how to do these things. And so I learned along with my students. Um, I did that four years in a row and really enjoyed it. Felt like I built the skills, kind of gained it by the, by the last year, I felt like I was like, you know, one of the guides, you know, helping out with that. So really got that desire to then, take that step to start backpacking on my own um, kind of as much as I, as I could and uh, having built those skills and tried to get Kathy to come along on some.
3: <laughs> yeah. And then I guess I really started when we moved to Massachusetts, we moved up here for me to go to grad school. And then we were much closer to mountains that Kevin was really interested in going to. So he was like, okay, there's this list out there in New Hampshire. That's like the New Hampshire, 44,000 footers. Let's go do them. And I was like, okay, I guess we'll do those. So the first thing we did is we hiked Cannon Mountain and I think we camped that day that we hiked that. We did.
2: We did front country campgrounds, yeah. so not, not a backpacking throw right into the, the <laughs> hot pot of water, but you know, heat,
3: heat was up a little bit. Like we started that and that's when we really started getting into peak bagging. And I'll say that in the beginning, I absolutely hated it. Like I liked the physical aspect of things. I was like, okay, this is good. I'm getting some exercise. I'm outside, but it was more of like, let's count down the time until I get to the peak and get down from the peak and, not, the, accomplishment. and the accomplishment, You'd be like, I, you like finished yeah. with that. That. I did it. I did something. I had a great Saturday. Like, let's go back to work on Monday. That took probably like a year for me to start really liking it. Like I would feel pretty miserable on the inside. I'm like, my feet hurt. I don't understand this. It's raining. Canon. I think we went to Canon. It was like really foggy and muggy, but it things started transforming a little bit after about a year. And Kevin was just excited every time we went.
2: I was just raring (laughs) to go get on the trail. And I'm like, come on, let's go.
3: (laughs) And so that's how we started into it. And the 48 really launched us into really loving hiking. And then that turned into loving backpacking.
1: Did he have a brief PowerPoint presentation for each peak? I should have. No,
3: but he definitely would like pellet me a little bit with statistics or things like information about the trail. And I was like, I don't really care about this. And then over time now I really care. But at the beginning I was like, okay, I'm just going to follow you. And And then eventually
2: you'd ask me the questions if I didn't tell you what the elevation gain for the day, you'd be like, hold on. I cannot start until I know how much elevation I'm I was
3: like, well, when are we gaining that elevation? (laughs) Is it starting at mile two? Is there a nice lead in or is it immediately straight up? Um, But yeah. And the 48, we just, that's where we spend most of our time is hiking in New Hampshire. Um,
2: Yeah. And that region I'll say like blew my mind in terms of East coast mountains. You know, you you get the, the view of like, oh, there are no real mountains in the East no, there are real mountains in the East. There's maybe less of them, but the terrain is so rugged. Yeah. They're not as high as the mountains in the West, but you're starting at lower elevation. So, you know, that's when you're right. And some of the Northern presidentials like Mount Washington and stuff, you're, you're doing 4,000, 5,000 feet of elevation gain in, in a day, you know, to get, to get up to that peak. Uh, and you got a lot of above tree line time and the the winds can, can be high. And now that we're, we're hiking a lot of those in, in the winter, you know, adds such another level of, of difficulty to it. And it's, It's a, it's a fun challenge to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Those are, those are no joke. I mean, I think people in the West have a, have a tendency to think, well, that's only 4,000 feet. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're, they're out here next to Whitney. That's 14, four and you're you're exactly right. They start out at a lower elevation and there's, there's incredible elevation gain in a single day of hiking. So.
2: Yeah. We call a lot of the trails relentless. You just keep going straight up. There's no Mm. switchbacks. There's nothing flat on the trail. It's a rock jumble. So it's, a, it's yeah. like, you know, you get like eight miles of rock scramble in 5,000 feet. Like, it's have true. fun. It's great. It's
0: really fun.
1: <laughs> now, how, how much progress have you made on the 48?
3: We finished the 48 in 2019. Yeah, it only took two years. Like, once we started, I think what happens, we we're pretty slow at first, like, did a peak here and there. And then we did the PEMI loop. Um, um, one, which is what, 10 peaks or eight peaks. I think we got eight peaks. We can add peaks. on a
2: couple others, but um, we yeah, so we get eight peaks. Yeah, some
3: of that coincides with the Appalachian Trail. And that's when we're like, oh, this is actually in reach. And so we finished that in 2019. And then we hiked the New England 67, which is then the 4,000 footers in Vermont, Maine, and New Hampshire. We finished that over the summer. And then we're now working on the winter 48. So hiking all the New Hampshire 4,000. Foot peaks in winter season.
1: Okay. Now, with the New England 67, is that just a matter of adding on 19 additional peaks?
3: Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I went a lot faster.
1: You didn't hike the other, the other 48 again. And then the 19. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't, but there have been some peaks in uh, New Hampshire that we've hiked so many times just because they're closer or they're shorter. You know, it's a, it's a drive from Boston mm-hmm. and we usually go for just day trips. So like, we've hiked certain peaks, like, you know, Jackson four times or <laughs> the Ridge a bunch of times right. like, when you Ridge a bunch of times, mm-hmm. it just depends.
1: Now, have you guys heard of this thing called the grid? Yeah. I we to need to ne- pull
2: out our grid and see where we're at. We're probably <laughs> I, not even close. No way, close I,
1: yeah, I talked to I talked to Neil, who has an Instagram account called Neil's Simple Life,
2: mm-hmm. and yeah, I him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, we spent some time on the grid, and that just, that just blew my mind. That you're you're trying to hike all 48 in every month. Yeah. Right, and it's yeah. not. We're not talking about a single calendar year. This could span years. Right. You're, if
2: you want to talk about a single calendar year, there is a guy who has done that.
3: Yeah.
1: In a single calendar year. No way. In, in the whites. Yeah,
3: yeah. Look,
2: look him up on Instagram, finding Philip. Um, right. He's, he does some amazing things. He's really exclusively hiking in the whites now and his, his projects there are, are mind blowing. Yeah. So yeah, he did a single I year mean, grid. Sorry. They he then did like tracing every trail in the white mountains um, in one summer. So yeah, he, he logs the miles. Yeah. That's really impressive.
1: Yeah. Now Neil told me that if you, if you do all 48 in each month, uh, so 12 months times 48, I think is, is 576. If I remember the number correctly. And that comes out to like a million feet of elevation gain.
3: Yeah. It's just, it's a lot, you know, it's so funny. The grid is so interesting and we'll see someday like where we are, but like, We have such a hard time saying, like, we just want to hike here. You know, there's so many things we want to do. And that's why we're like, let's go out to like Trans Catalina Trail, or we've hiked almost all of the long trail in Vermont. We have so many interests in different places that feels like we can't fully commit to like going back to some (laughs) place over and over again. Um, And hopefully, once COVID is in a place where we can travel internationally, like, we want to do a lot more of that
0: too.
1: Right. Now, I know you understand what the grid is, and I understand what the grid is, but in case I'm not being clear, you're doing the 48 peaks 12 times. Correct. Once in each month. Mm -hmm. And some people like finding Philip; they could do it in one year. Uh, Somebody else, one of Neil's friends, I think finished it in 14 and a half years. And so some, you know, one one January, he was able to finish 12 peaks. And then the next January, he was able to fit in, you know, eight more. And he went on in that fashion Mm -hmm. every month, trying to knock those off and fill out his grid and uh, finish all 576 climbs, which is, uh, that is a serious commitment. That is that is obsessive level uh, <laughs> commitment. So,
3: Yeah. New England loves their lists too. I don't know if other places has, I don't know, so many, but there's a lot of lists in New England hiking, it seems like. Helps you find new places. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I think with outdoor adventuring in, in particular, that it really lends itself to obsessive type, Personalities. I think people get, like me, get a lot of enjoyment, uh, maybe just as much enjoyment planning for it, for the trip, right? And doing your research and planning, this is where we're going to start in so many days. And this is where I want to camp and, you know, all that good stuff. And just kind of going down the rabbit hole, uh, even with, you know, tarp pitches. You know, I had a tarp for a while. I'm thinking, okay, I, what are the different tarp pitches? I, I spent, you know, six hours on a, on a Saturday watching different YouTube videos on tarp pitches. My wife was like, you're, you're nuts. You're crazy.
2: And you had a great day. I'm sure
1: <laughs> that was, it was fantastic. I, I would, I would pause, I'd go in the backyard, I'd set it up and i come back in and watch a different video. And yeah, it, it was great. But I, 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 do you guys have those obsessive um, type personalities? It's not a bad thing. It's not. It shouldn't be a negative connotation. But do you know? Do you do you like to do a lot of planning and logistics type stuff?
2: I definitely do.
3: I feel like that's a that's a yes. On both yes, of our fronts, on yes. different things, but 100.
2: We have our own strengths. We we plan different aspects of it. I think the wilderness travel, like where to camp, like you're saying, like where to find a which backcountry space to be in. Like that's probably where I get obsessive
3: about. Yeah. yeah, and I love a good spreadsheet. Like I like tracking what we're doing. I love spreadsheets. And you're planning the
2: food, like spreadsheeting out like what, how many like things we need for each yeah. day. Yeah.
3: Love a good spreadsheet. Same thing with like our long trail, like plotting out exactly what we're gonna do and making sure we can like know the mileage and stuff
1: like that like that's the stuff that I like to do for okay sure. nice nice all right now you've not only done uh some hiking and peak bagging in the northeast you've also been across the pond across the Atlantic and done some hiking in Spain on the Camino yeah is that yeah, recent so- or how long ago was that um three years,
3: 2019
1: pandemic's been a long time. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It was 20 summer 2019. Um, and that was, I think probably like our turning point into saying, we're not just peak bagging and day hiking. We really want to think about backpacking, but I was not quite ready to backpack in, you know, the sense of like, you know, hiking the AT or the long trail. And so we we're
2: ready for the wilderness. We're, doing that.
3: we're scaffolding. We're building up to something right. that I feel comfortable with. And we both really love international travel, so Kevin suggested—not with a PowerPoint—but he suggested that we do a Camino, and we had a limited time frame, so we picked the Camino Primitivo, which takes about two weeks, and it's also much less traveled than other Caminos. So the Camino Frances is the more popular route; it's mm-hmm. a longer route. We didn't have that kind of time, and the Primitivo goes through northern Spain, but it's much more like. There's more hiking involved in it and a lot less road walking and a lot less people. So that really attracted us to the Camino Primitivo. So we did two weeks on that. It's about 200 miles. I think so, yeah. I wanna say to Santiago. And then we added on three days of hiking all the way to the coast, which is the Camino Fistera.
1: Nice. Now, Kathy, I, I have this i have this vision in my head of, of who Kevin is, who PowerPoint is, and I don't want you to do anything to dispel that image because it's a really cool image in my, in my mind right now. So let's pretend, just for, at least for the rest of this episode anyway, that anytime he tries to convince you of something, whether it's, you know, to do some overseas hiking or to, to go to this particular restaurant, uh, that he has a PowerPoint that he, <laughs> he, he presents to you. All right. <laughs>
3: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts doing that for the rest of our lives. <laughs> so. Get a little portable projector. Going, Hold on, let me
2: set this up. Yeah.
1: And you know what? I should have figured it out. I should have figured it out before I asked you what you guys did for a living that just because you had presented this in PowerPoint fashion to Kathy, I should have figured out you were an educator because you know yeah. that's, that's what we use. We use sort of different presentation tools.
2: I know how to show you information. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's great. And you said scaffolding scaffolding the, the backpacking experience. I think that is a perfect way to put it, Kathy, because, uh, time on the Camino is it's not like time on the AT or the PCT. Um, I, I, I characterize it as even, you know, a little bit of clamping because at the end of, at the end of every day, there's, there's a pub. Right. Or a a hostel somewhere to somewhere to
2: a hostel and there's two, they typically have a pilgrim menu. So your pilgrims walking the the Camino, this is the Mm -hmm. original way. Um, And the pilgrim menu is, is always communal. You sit down with whoever else, any other pilgrims that are staying there and chose, you know, are eating the pilgrim menu and you have bread and food and usually a soup and wine. Um, you kind of chat and get to know people that are walking the same way. You overlap with some people for a few days. Some people go faster. Some people go slower. Yeah. So a, a bed each night, a shower, hot food drink. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the life
3: and you're not carrying a tent or anything like that you know you're carrying clothes and you're carrying you know stuff for hiking but it's different like even i brought like a change of clothes to go walk around a town and like stuff like that you would never do when you're through hiking and it was definitely a luxury um and some days we stayed in nicer hostels or in even a hotel if we wanted to so it was a nice way to ease me into the walking part but then not have to do the camping part yeah um and the community is great too so maybe that part's a little bit more similar that you really do form a nice community when you were doing something like the Camino, which I hope is the same for the AT. Yeah.
1: Now PowerPoint's approach to get you to hiking. I mean, this is, he's just, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. You know, get you out on a couple of, you know, uh, peak, peak bagging experiences and then kind of builds that up. And pretty soon you've got 48 and then 67 under your belt. And then he's taking you across the, across the Atlantic to to do some glamping type uh, through hiking mm-hmm. And then he sets you up for, for the long trail. Now, Kathy, bear with me on this one. I know this is, this is, this is not flattering initially, but in terms of a trail name, you're almost, you know, frog in the pot. I mean, he, he has has elevated the temperatures a little bit, little bit, little bit. And then you guys are life partners out there now. I mean, it's just fantastic.
3: We are wow. How would I explain that frog in the pot? It's, it's a
1: great story, right?
3: <laughs> it would just it would just have to be frog. People could think a lot of different things about what the name it's was. Um, no, it was good. I feel like Kevin really did support me in figuring out the things that I liked about it, and it took time. It just took time. You mm-hmm. know, not everyone loves it overnight.
1: Right. And that's okay. And so, you guys did the Camino. What were your favorite parts of the of the Camino? You have any favorite moments?
2: for me, it was, it was finishing at the coast. I think for most pilgrims walking the Camino, getting to um, Santiago de Compostela and the the cathedral there where supposedly the bones of St. James are interred as a a religious thing is, um, you know, the, the main objective. And for me, I really wanted the, the end of the land, the, the, the end of that. And I think that was where like historically pilgrims like went and then brought a scallop shell back to be a sign of like, that they made it all the way. So that for me was a really emotional moment of like, my body carried me this, this far all the way across. And just looking out at the, at the ocean there was really special.
3: Yeah. Um, and I think the cool, I think the part that I really loved about this route was that because it is not just road walking, a lot of the Camino can be road walking. This part didn't have as much road walking, it seems as other Caminos. So we went over something called the Hospitalis route, which is actually like hiking up a mountain and you're in the fields and it was like super foggy that day and hazy. And so we couldn't see anything around us. We were just walking up this trail. And then when we got down it, the like fog dissipated and we could see, you know, kind of what we just did and what we were about to do. And we thought, wow, this is really great. This felt like hiking, but then I also got to go stay out of bed that night. So that was really (laughs) great for me. Um, It was a great route though. I think that was the right decision for us. Mm
1: -hmm. Now PowerPoint, you, you talked about, you know, being a bit emotional, uh, when you, when you finished up on the coast, I have been on hikes and, and, and it is tough. Sometimes you, you get choked up. I mean, you, you, you're, hiking and maybe what, whether you're at the end of it or you're in the middle of it, there've been times where, you know, you're in your head and you're out and out in the, the middle of all this, this beauty and you get choked up. Is that a, would that be a common experience or is that, is that just, uh, that's just me. Know.
2: No, I, I I hope it's a common experience because I think it's one of the most powerful things of why I seek these experiences, you know, in in the outdoors. And what what are we living for if not for experiencing those moments of profound joy? And I think I, I really get those on trail and in these natural spaces and having put in arduous effort to to get there and to to have accomplished something or or be in the middle of something. Yeah, it's not even only about just being done with it, but enjoying the moment and and living in that moment. And I feel like I do that so much more naturally on trail and in wild spaces. Um, yeah, that's what it's, that's what it's for for me.
1: Well said, well said now frog in the pot. Did, uh, did PowerPoint, uh, did he give you another presentation for your next trip? The, the long trail in Vermont.
3: Yeah, oh, we did know, some planning for that. No PowerPoint. I will say <sighs> so after, after this, I start getting like more interested in this. You know, I, I'll say that I didn't, I was not a big hiker before I am now, but I started comparing it a little bit to my yoga practice. Like I practice a lot of yoga and it's kind of a similar thing where you can get in flow. You're, you know, doing a lot of physical activity and it's really good for like your mental space and meditation. And so I started treating it a little bit more like that um, and seeing the parallels between them. Kevin wanted to do the long trail as a through
2: really wanted to through hike it. Yeah
3: it was the, it was the height, it just, COVID had just started. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know if we had to get off trail, like what we would do, we wouldn't have anyone to support us. And that was when we didn't know anything. So we didn't feel comfortable calling on people to help us. So we decided to section it (laughs) really once again, like unorthodox way. Um, And that's how we started the long trail, but it did start with Kevin saying, I really want to hike the long trail. And then it came to How do we make sure we can make it happen? And we're doing it in any way we can. So we've sectioned, I think most of it, we only have 30 miles left on the long trail that we'll hopefully get to do in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. But that was probably the next big thing.
1: And the long trail, 272 miles, right? Yeah. Thereabouts, thereabouts. And, um, one of the oldest trails in the country, I think it opened in 1910. Mm -hmm. Does that sound about right?
3: Yeah, and then the first hundred miles of it coincide with the Appalachian Trail.
1: Right, right. And you know, I, I wonder if this is something that that maybe not of our a lot of our maybe seasoned hikers who listen into this podcast realize, but you can you can section hike trails. You don't have to do them all as a through hike. Uh, right. There are many people who do do section hikes of the Long Trail, of the Appalachian Trail, of the the PCT. I actually uh, am friends with a with a, a teacher who every summer, and this is kind of how I heard about, you know, the long trails. Um, I asked you how, what, you know, what your thoughts were. And somebody told me that, that this particular teacher, he was section hiking the PCT and he was currently in Oregon. And I'm like, what, what do you, what, what, what do you mean? I understand every single one of those words. I know what each one of those words mean, but it doesn't, not, it does not make sense to me. What, what are you talking about? And so they explained, you know, there is this footpath that goes from Mexico to Canada and he was hiking it in sections each summer. And I said, Mm -hmm. "Well, wait a second. You mean that each summer he devotes his summer vacation to just walking around and, and, you know, living in, in, in the, on, on the trail. Yeah. Yeah. He, he loves that. You know, I, I, my experience up to that point had been, you know, camping when I was a kid, car camping, tent camping. And um, I'm like, well, why would you move your why would you move your, your camp? Why would, I mean, what, why <laughs> you wouldn't you just camp on well, it's already yeah. set up? What are you, what are you talking about? So it really, it really was tough to get my mind wrapped around, but there, you know, six section hiking is a very popular um, pastime as well. It's not just through hiking. It's also mm-hmm. section hiking, which is, is just as rewarding and uh, beautiful and emotional um, as, as through hiking. So
2: yeah. I think it's like, encourage people like it, take the time you can. If you don't have, can't take five months, don't take five months. If you can take a month, take a month. If you can take a week, take a week. If you can t- take a weekend, take a weekend and do an overnight, you know, it, it, right. it's accessible.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. It felt like a lot more accessible, a lot more doable, a lot more like we could try things out. That was mm-hmm. when we were just getting used to what kind of gear are we taking? I was still using a pack. I don't even, I, I, like a random pack that we bought me just to see if this would work out or not. And so, it was nice to get to try some things out and then just feel like your confidence build with every single section that Mm. we went on. And that the first five days of the long trail that we did, that's when I told Kevin in the middle, I was like, I think we should hike the AT. And he was like, what? It
2: was her second day on the (laughs) long trail. (laughs) She she was like one night in a tent backpacking was like, I think we should do this for five straight months. I was like,
3: I think we should do this. And he was like, okay, I never thought you'd say that. So sure. Like, let's talk about it. And that, that was really it though. Just a couple of nights being outside and I thought I see what the draw is now. I just pa- needed
1: it. PowerPoint you did it. You did it. You <laughs> really stepped
3: these ideas. Yes.
1: It worked. I could see him doing some long-term lesson planning at the beginning of all this saying, "Hey, here's where I want to be. I want to, I want her to tell me. Let's do the AT. And then he set up some short term goals and he planned for those short term goals. He, he, he built his plans up and voila. Oh, I it wish happened. I could claim
2: that. I wish I could claim that. I had no idea this was going to happen. So, yeah. yeah.
1: You are a true teacher. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Favorite moments on, or favorite portions of the long trail? Ooh.
2: Stratton Pond. is is a beautiful spot it's down down from stratton mountain where the appalachian trail was conceived of actually um it got has one of the best shelters that we experienced on the long trail it's one with like individual bunks um so you're not just like sleeping like sardines um and we got the most beautiful sunset right over the over the pond there so that was a
1: really cool spot now do you have any powerpoint do you have any sardine stories since you mentioned sleeping like sardines where you no, that's camp- what
2: try to avoid. Uh, yeah, yeah. We we did not sleep like sardines in shelters. We're usually setting up the tent and then going for the nicer shelters with the with the bunks.
3: Yeah, okay. I gotta draw a line somewhere, you know. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, Well, we'll see. I say this now, but I feel like on the AT, I'm probably like I'm tired. We're sleeping somewhere. Yep. Um, Camel's Hump uh, in on the Long Trail was just beautiful. It's a 4,000 footer there. It was um, also we got there around sunset. It was just like, it was an immense climb, but it was really worth it. Really beautiful. And right after we found a stealth spot, that was just so nice. And it felt like a really good way to end a day. And that was a long day too, I think.
1: We bit
2: off more than we could chew that yeah. day. And that's why we had to stealth because we didn't make it
3: <laughs> to the campsite. Yeah. I think it was like a 16 or so plus mile day. And it was just like, oh, this was really tough, but the end of the day it was camel's hump. So it's really great if you haven't been there.
1: Nice. Now you say stealth, stealth spot. Uh, I know what you mean, but for some some of our listeners out there, what is a stealth spot?
3: I'm going to let you do this.
2: Uh, Any camping spot that's not an established camping spot. So you're off, off trail should be out of, out of sight. I know different places have different regulations, but yeah, Uh two feet from water off trail, just anywhere. Leave, leave no impact, leave no trace. And no one would even know you were there the next day.
1: Right. Yeah, some of, some of my favorite camping spots have been not that they were officially stealth spots where they weren't, they weren't, they were campsites, but they're campsites that very few people knew about, you know, the kind of off the trail kind of hidden. And, uh, those, those are, those are really cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you prefer to be around a lot of people when you're, when you guys are hiking or do you prefer to just be the two of you out there in the, in the middle of nowhere?
2: Usually just preferring the two of us. And especially for, for the long trail, when we were on like, you know, a two or three day section, you know, it, it, we really wanted just the two of us as a, as a little escape. I think yeah. we're, we're looking at the Appalachian trail a little bit differently and want, definitely wanting to have some of that connection, but while hiking, especially it's like, we want to get in our own flow and then, you know, talk to some people along down, down the trail and it breaks and stuff.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. Let's, let's talk about the AT. We were going to talk about the TCT. I see that now here in the, in the outline, but mm-hmm. we already talked about that. I had a great discussion on that. Let's talk about the AT. When do you guys leave on your AT? hike this year
3: we are leaving on june 18th from new york and we are doing a flip-flop so we are going to go from new york to katahdin and then get a ride somehow from katahdin back to new york and then go from new york to springer
2: we'll chase fall south that's that's our plan to, to finish Yeah.
1: okay now powerpoint you're a teacher and and uh frog in the pot you are a, a phd student don't you have responsibilities in the fall
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> not yes, next year, not next this year. year.
2: We are both really lucky to have really supportive places. So I'm taking, taking a leave from school and they're supporting that for me to be able to do this for, for myself. Uh, could not be more appreciative of that. Um, so I'm taking the fall off, giving myself through December. So if we need a little more time, you know, do it for whatever reasons we have until till then to finish.
0: Yeah,
3: same here. I My advisor actually section hiked the Appalachian Trail herself. So did her husband. He's hiked it multiple times. So she understood this kind of interest and was like, okay, we'll figure out how to support you to make this happen. And I'm just kind of grinding away on my dissertation. I'm going to get as much done as I can before we leave and I'll defend in 2023. So after we get back, but it's just putting the pieces in place right now to make sure that we can go do this.
1: That is phenomenal to have uh, advisors and employers that understand the importance of, of this kind of adventure and allow you to take it. That's, that's great.
2: It's too, too rare in the world it needs to be more.
3: Yeah.
1: Agreed. What are you guys looking forward to most on the AT? Do you have kind of a, a list of highlights already in your mind expectations?
2: Probably too
3: many. All right. So <laughs> you go ahead.
2: I think for me, it's not like one spot. It's not one like giants, but I am excited to, to experience the Smokies because it's maybe the like most premier place along the Appalachian trail that I haven't been to yet. Um, but I think I'm looking forward to just the day to day um you know I said I really like I want to live in the moment you know in my life in general and I feel like I can do that even deeper on trail um really boils things down like to its essence like as, as you've said you know it's it's simple if, am I hungry all right I'm gonna eat am I thirsty I'm, I'm gonna drink am I tired I'm gonna sit down or sleep you know that's kind of about it other than like keep walking the right direction on the right trail so I'm looking forward to the the day to day actually and just being in each moment and fully experiencing every step along the trail.
3: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I there's like a huge draw to get to step away from things a little bit and really be like, have time with your own thoughts and have time with each other have time outside and not have all these other distractions and things in life and immense responsibilities that you know we have to deal with on a daily basis like what a privilege it is to be able to go and say you know what i'm just going to be with myself i'm going to listen to a book i'm going to walk i'm going to enjoy nature Uh, i think that's something i'm really looking forward to after many years of working and thinking all the time (laughs) and running around um I also am excited for like the physical transformation. Like I have no idea how my body is going to respond to walking every day, and so like what kind of like integration of like my mind and my body is going to happen when that's what you're doing. You're walking, you're thinking, and with my partner, who like we have figured out over time after many arguments and a lots of situations, many, many, okay, um. Many. <laughs> like how to be together outside and be together in something we both really love and share, but also can do something individually while we're is something I'm curious about as well. If that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. What is the key? Oh. What, what is the key? What did you guys learn from your, we will call them discussions about how to, how to exist out there as a, as a couple. I've got and, something that's, that's in the, the wilderness we've
2: used. Oh yeah. We feel sometimes that we are alone together. We're out there experiencing that at the same time together, but sometimes like I'm often practicing walking meditation where like, we're not speaking the whole time. We're not like, not the most chatterboxy on the, on the trail. So just having those (laughs) moments of togetherness, but still in your own space is I think really important.
3: Yeah. Um, I think it's also just realizing that we have different needs and desires and wants when we're in life period (laughs) and also while we're hiking. So I like different things at different times. Like I like to start and I like to be in flow. Like I don't like to stop. I would rather continuously walk, snack, you know, while I'm walking, not pause. Kevin likes to pause and like take breaks. And I'm just like tapping my foot being like, are we going to keep moving? And initially that was not good, but then we realized, okay, that's what Kevin needs. And this is what I need. Maybe I walk for a little longer and he catches up with me or, you know, we pause and I try to focus on something else or, you know, while he takes pictures, like I'll do something different, but figuring out that we need different things at different times on trail and accepting that that's okay. And balancing them. Yeah. Yeah. That's taken time though to figure out.
1: I think we, we have struck upon the title of this episode. I love the phrase alone together. I mean, that, that is, that's fantastic.
3: Yeah. That, I and mean, that's, that's a phrase that we've used a lot. Um,
1: and that we've,
2: you've drawn for it. I've written poetry on it. So we had actually have some like pieces. Maybe we we'll have to yeah. send you that, that photo we <laughs> use
1: on it. Too. Nice. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And so what, uh, what kind of preparation are you guys doing for the AT? What kind of research, what, uh, what websites are you checking? What, what uh, accounts are you following? To I'm just gonna
3: say really quickly before we even—I—I'm not really following anything except for Kevin does for about—he mm, did this for a couple of months with like literally reweigh his bag every single day with like one thing that was different, and I was like, "Is that one you know?" I know my base weight. You know, like <laughs> every day I would come home and it's like the bags repacked and like he's weighing it again. And I think what changed? Like what changed in this last day? Um, just I had to. I you, had to, to. you had to. You had
2: so yeah, a lot of that. A lot um, of
3: that. A lot of retesting things. I'm not reading a lot.
2: So you talk about like being like <laughs> meticulous planners or like obsessively diving into actually part of my AT journey is I want to do less of that for this. I don't want to plan out. This is the shelter I'm going to stay out on night 37. And here's the, you know, diner I want to go to in this town. I, I want to take things as they come. I think um, that's a, a recipe for happiness in life. Uh, not flippantly and not in, you know, to my detriment, hopefully, but I wanna know enough to know I'm going the right way and enough to know I've got you know enough food to get me to the next resupply point, but I, I wanna live in that moment and take things as they come. So I'm trying not to. We did get the far out guide. I know they've recently changed, this. it used to be gut hook. So we did get the far out guide. We will use that like a long trail. I'm trying not to like look at it so much before going. Um, Cause then I'll get stuck in my head on like, I gotta get to this you know stream for this thing that happens there or this town on this day. And I I just I just want to wanna let things happen and let the universe unfold as we hike.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I'm just, I you know, I've been listening to some podcasts and things like that. I read and also I, I read recently a book about the Appalachian Trail, the bio, a biography about it. I think it's a recent book that came out. I'll have to look up the title. Um, but other than that, I think we've practiced enough together I think we trust each other to know and trust ourselves to know what to do when we're backpacking and like it'll happen and we're okay with that I think that's like where <laughs> we're at you know we did enough shakedown stuff I think we feel okay and really I'm not going to look at much until probably like a month out I'll probably start thinking a little bit more about like food and like mail spots for yeah people that, yeah for gear like things. those logistics
1: so yeah. start weighing your pack yeah. yeah,
3: just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it probably is more that we're overly planful. So we did all of this work already probably over the summer till now. And so now I feel like we're in this lull. If we've done all the stuff, there's really not much else to do except for get there.
1: Fair yeah. point. What do you, what do you guys say to people who say, you know, why do you do this? I mean, what, what, what is name one benefit that this has in your everyday life? to be taking trips like this? What what, what are some of the, what, what's a takeaway? What's a positive takeaway for your real life that you get from from being out in nature like this?
2: I think for me, I'll, I'll, I'll name mindfulness is, is really big for me. I have a meditation practice at home. And I think these experiences really deepen that. Um, and I can sometimes draw on those experiences, um, you know, in nature, those, as we say, profound moments of joy and draw on that you know, for the resilience when you're back in the real world or know, Hey, yeah, hiking up that peak. Maybe I'm not doing that in my everyday life, you know, at work or with relationships or anything like that, but knowing that I can overcome challenges, you can apply that, you know, same, same thing to a new challenge that maybe is completely different, but just knowing you can do it.
3: Um, you know, I think it's just become like a mechanism for me to find a a greater sense of self you know, when you're, when you're out there and you have so much time alone with your thoughts and so much is taken away as we've talked about, I think I've really found out a little bit more about like who I am because you just don't have those other distractions around you. And that is a huge gift to have. And I've taken a lot of those things into work and PhD life when you're all worried all the time. Like, why am I here? There's like so much imposter syndrome. Like, can I really do this? And it's like, yeah, you can, you can do all these other things. You can do that too.
1: Yeah. I had a, a guest on from Croatia, uh, Nikola Horvat, uh, goes by Tesla and he, he was, he, he, uh, talked about not only navigating the, the wilderness around you, but also navigating the inner wilderness, ah. which, which reminded me of what, you know, you, 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 talking about that, uh, reminded me of that. So I think you're, you're in the ballpark there. Yeah. It's incredible. Okay. Hey, tell us a little bit about the Trekking Sketches, uh, Instagram account. And do you also have a, a webpage, a blog? We do. Yeah. yeah. Tell what, 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 can people find on, on, in those, on those platforms?
2: Yeah. So we I just, yeah, Instagram at trekking sketches, and it's TrekkingSketches.com. Um, and this is one where in my, in our like hiking journey and starting peak bagging as we did the New Hampshire 48, 4,000 footers, I really drew a lot of information from people that were blogging. I'm very visual. So like seeing like what, a you know, I want like a picture of the trail or like, even like, what does that parking lot look like? You know, can, we, you know, when we arrive to know I'm actually in the right spot, you know, before you develop some of that, um, backcountry understanding or, or, or knowing what trails kind of feel like. So, once we finished the 48, I really wanted to kind of pay it forward in a sense and be like, hey, we, like, I think I have a voice that can kind of share this. So it started out as being like, let's practically share what things look like. We try to give trip reports on the different hikes we've done that people might want to do also um, with some narrative describing. We include stats because, you know, we know people want to know, like, it's the elevation gain that we're supposed to look at today. Um, how many miles is it? How long did it take us? You know, we give turn by turn directions. Um, and then try to, I pepper it with so many pictures that we're taking to kind of give those visuals. Cause that's what really helped me um, to know that I could, you know, get on that trail. So started with that, but we named it Trekking Sketches because it's this act of trekking is physically moving through space that we really connect with, but it's also about creativity and artwork and stopping to enjoy that moment take pictures capture it with you know writing poetry sketches drawings paintings um so kind of using it as as a space for that so we share some of those more creative outlets as well as the practical information of which hikes uh, we've done anything else on the creativity you would say
3: yeah no i think I think that encapsulates it. You know, I think that's what we really like about being out there. As you can tell, it's like, yeah, it's partially about the physical experience, but it's also for us a lot of like an outlet to kind of generate some of these ideas and like really get to exercise kind of our creative minds a little bit. Um, So yeah, we have that. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else in there. I, you know, we started like blogging some about like a little bit more narratives about like why hiking, why these kinds of things. But as of right now, it's been a lot more focused on like the trip reports and detailed trip reports.
2: My goals for like expanding this, I'm actively working on doing now gear reviews. Cause I'm like, okay, now I think I had a voice on like, okay, I can tell you where to like how to hike this trail or where to go to get this trail. But now I'm feeling a little more versed in certain gear. I think I have a Something to offer there, where like you, you know, what kind of recommendations I give for for a pack or a sleeping pad or things like that. Um, I'm also burgeoning as a photographer. I'm gonna get up uh, one of my New Year's intentions. I use that that term for it. New Year's intention. Be like, hey, if I don't do it, I don't do it. But one of my my New Year's intentions is uh, to. Offer some of my photography for sale on trekking sketches. So I'm working on, you know, finishing up touches on some of the edits on those on the photos that I've taken in some of the wonderful spaces I've gotten to go and document, and having that as a creative outlet and offering the, those those for sale if uh, if anyone you know finds them to also be beautiful and want now, them
1: there. now, PowerPoint. If you verbalize that on a podcast, it it, goes, it it goes from being an intention to to a resolution. So yeah. and that
2: and that's why I did it because now that's I going right. to hold me accountable. There's accountability here. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs>
1: right. That's right. Um, yeah. Well, I love that you guys are doing that. I, I I love the content. I love that you're you're sharing this with with the world and, and giving back. It's, uh, it's it's some really great stuff on on those on your your website and on your Instagram feed. So thank you. Thank you. Now we, we talked a little bit about um, overcoming challenges and uh, you know kind of building up that that sense of pride in yourself, uh, at the end of a day, you can turn around and look in way in the distance and say, I started over there and now I'm over here. And Mm -hmm. you know, that, that sense of accomplishment, what are, what are, let's let's go to a top five list here. Let's, let's talk about top five, uh, accomplishments on the trailer or sense of accomplishment to remember any moments that you are really proud of, uh, accomplishing.
3: Um, I will start us off with we did a single day PEMI loop, uh, I guess last year, which is that 32 miles and what, like nine thousand, eight to nine thousand feet of elevation yeah. gain in about 15 hours. And I think, and that's in New Hampshire. And I think that to me is one of my proudest moments because two years before that we did the same loop, but we did it as a backpacking loop over two days. And I was miserable the whole time we cut the trip short, we finished it, but I made us um, take what we planned to do as a three day backpacking loop into a two day. Cause I was like, I want out of here. This is way too hard. I'm not having fun. But then for the single day Pemi loop, I felt like I really saw my progress. Like I truly enjoyed being there for the whole time. And even when it was hard, I was like, that's okay. I know I'm going to make it up this mountain and it's going to be fine. And I'm going to enjoy it once I'm sitting up there at the top. And so for me, that was like the pinnacle of, okay, like you understand what this is. You feel really good about yourself, like in your body and in this kind of new hobby that you picked up. So that's probably my top one. Cause I never thought I could do that physically or mentally.
1: Okay. And maybe, maybe we should just be the top one for each of you. Is that okay? Instead of a top five? Yeah,
3: yeah. Okay.
1: All right. So PowerPoint, you're
0: up.
2: Yeah. Then I'm definitely going to uh, a mountain that is not going to be something people know if, if they're not hiking in the Northeast, but it's Mount Isolation. It is called Mount Isolation because it's really far from all the uh, any other you know high peaks. So it's not one you're like getting a whole bunch of rewards on with multiple peaks or things. And we hiked Mount Isolation in winter. And it was our second attempt at isolation in winter the first time we attempted it we actually got like what two two and a half miles up trail and and turned around so having had that like bad feeling of not accomplishing what we set out to do we set out again and it was the next year so we we waited a whole whole year on this and mount isolation in winter doesn't require but it is better to for the route to do a bushwhack that you don't do in summer because it's too thick brush but you know on top of the snowpack you can so you know, this is where I did my my obsessive, you know, research on where to where to go, how do you how, what where on the trail to to look for to where do you take this bushwhack? It's not a herd path kind of bushwhack. It's a take a compass bearing and head off into the off off trail into the wilderness kind of bushwhack. So we're doing this in, in the winter, we got the snowshoes on, I take the compass bearing, I'm like, I'm going this way. And it's you know, frigid, I think it was in the teens.
3: and we we ran into a line of trees. We,
2: we ran into a line right of trees, <laughs> we, you know, you backtrack, you figure out another way around it. We get that line go going across and we get out past the bushwhack and we hit the trail again. It's like a bushwhack from trail to trail. I'm like, okay, we got this now. So we start heading up and we had you know, a few fresh inches of snow, so we lost the trail because the trail was all covered and it started petering out we found, found our way to the, to the Ridgeline trail, um, really like sheer determination that we're going, going to make it. We're like a mile away from the summit. Our fingers are starting to starting to freeze. We looked at each other and, and gave ourselves a, we We're like, all right, we can keep going, but like, we, we have a turnaround time. Like we need to, we got it. We, I think we gave ourselves like a half an hour more. Um, and if we didn't, hadn't gotten to the summit, we were going to need to turn around for our own safety. And we made the summit felt so accomplished. Yeah. And then Got even a little bit more heading coming down. We had been the first hikers to go in that day. That we ran into a group that had just come off the bushwhack, and they they told me, oh, did you break out the bushwhack? You did a great job, like <laughs> followed that compass bearing and like, perfectly. Yeah. And I was like, yes, <laughs> get it. So getting a little uh, little uh, kudos from from some others, and then yeah. we told them don't follow our tracks further up because we lost the trail. We lost the
3: trail <laughs> after that. But that one felt really good because. Yeah definitely because of the failed attempt and then we were like oh we can winter hike we can do this this is another moment of what we realize that we have the ability and capacity
2: so I definitely draw on that accomplishment sometimes <laughs> when i'm feeling low on some other things yeah
1: <laughs> nice now uh, i have to imagine there might have been a couple of difficult conversations uh, on the way up during that oh, yeah. that particular
3: this one Trip. I have to say, we did a good job on this one. Nice. I think because the first time when we did like our, our failed attempt, that was not a great day. Like we definitely had some tiffs there, but this one, I feel like we were relatively calm. Yeah, and we were like, okay, this is the time that we have. We are going to turn around when we hit that. We lost a trail in the line of trees. It was, tree. wasn't
2: an argument. It was more like a look oh, no. of like, okay, we're going to have to backtrack and figure this out. And we did. And we
3: did. Yeah. <laughs> That, that was a good turning point for probably us in our relationship too, <laughs> in terms of our hiking relationship, not just because of the winter. Hiking.
2: We have, you have to have a lot of trust in your hiking partner. <laughs> and on, on this one, you had a lot of trust in me I when I said the trail is that way. If we just push through this thick line of trees, we'll make it there. Let's okay, like, okay. <laughs> let's go. And we nice.
1: Yeah. Now, frog in the pot and uh, PowerPoint, you know where we are? pro tip. Oh, you, you, you do know, you do no. know where we are. Very I good. Like, I
3: don't know. Where are we? Are we looking at your background <laughs> and trying to figure out what that, that you're, you
1: know, Zoom background here? PowerPoint has listened to some episodes. I can tell he knew from that question that we are at the pro tip insight of the week. <laughs> and that means that this is your time to share a bit of trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So we get two for the price of one this week. Who wants to go first?
2: you want
3: it? Um, Sure. Earlier, Kevin asked me this. He was like, what's your pro tip? And I was like, I don't have any pro tips. I just like, I just go out there and do it. And he was like, no, you have one. I do this thing where I say, maybe because I'm short. I'm very short. I'm about 5'1", maybe. And so when in doubt, at least in like rocky trails, and I feel like something's really scary, I just sit down. I take a seat on a rock and I just put my leg down and that saves my knees. And I feel like I can then descend trails really, really quickly and safely. So I just say that a lot. When in doubt, just sit down.
1: Okay. I like it.
3: That works. <laughs> it's a very random yes. pro tip. That's I also don't find myself to be an expert in a lot of things.
1: That's the first pro tip that we've had in 140 episodes that says, hey, just sit down. That's just uh, sit down. Yeah, if when, you're in, scary, when it's in doubt.
3: Gonna be okay. On like a rocky just trail, just sit down, extend your leg, and you'll you're gonna get there.
1: <laughs> I like it.
3: Maybe it's just self-talk, is really what my pro tip should be: like positive self-talk. <laughs>
1: Okay, PowerPoint. Does uh, your does yours involve involve a, a PowerPoint?
2: Oh, it it should probably. I, I didn't set that up. I actually, ironically, this probably would be better with visuals. So my my pro tip is the heel lock lacing. If you've heard heard of this, and so my like heel was sliding around. My you know ankle wasn't secured. I was my feet were like hitting the front of my shoe. And so I was looking up things for like what to do, and I got some some tips from uh, some trail runners to use this this thing called heel lock where you like lace the lace your laces in a, in a way that like really holds your ankle in and holds your heel back. So google that. I, you need visuals. I can't describe this perfectly. Google heel lock lacing. Uh if your feet are kind of hitting the front of your boots or trail runners, your heel is sliding around, really lock locks you in so that I'm not having that issue anymore.
1: Yeah, there's some holes at the very top of your shoe that a lot of people don't use which are are uh, very important for the the heel lock feature of your your trail runner or boot. So, you know, when you're giving more detail, yeah, I I forgot (laughs) the extra hole
2: is needed. Yeah.
1: Nice. Okay. (coughs) I'll have to edit that part out. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, So, there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Kevin and Kathy. Want to thank them for joining us this week. Guys, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media? And where can they find updates on your latest adventures out there on the E.T.?
3: So for Instagram, it's just Trekking Sketches, um, And that is also our website, TrekkingSketches.com. And that is all we have in terms of social media content.
1: Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Guys, you need a TikTok uh, account.
3: <laughs> we're really trying. I feel like we got into the blog game really late. And now it's all like video stuff and TikTok. And we're really slow to get into this. We'll
1: see what happens. You guys will have a TikTok account when the next big thing starts. So I
3: know. That's that's really what happened with Instagram. (laughs) We're trying our best.
1: (laughs) And if you have comments or clips for me uh, that you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymirror at gmail.com. You two, I am also looking for you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some type of adventure media that's going to keep our listeners connected to the trail here in the off season. Call us our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us?
2: I got a I got a book I really like this uh, the unlikely Through Hiker by Derek Lugo um, it, so yeah he hikes, hikes the Appalachian Trail he I think he d- describes himself as someone he's from New York City living in New York City and is like likes to stay clean you know have his have his hair look nice all that um, gets out on the trail and uh, and has has a blast on the AT so I, I, it was a really it's a really real account of what trail life. Is on the Appalachian Trail, and made me really excited for for some of the social dynamics and stuff on the trail.
1: PowerPoint, that's awesome that you mentioned that book because I am interviewing Derek Lugo next week.
3: Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. We, okay, so Derek Lugo, we love your book, Mister Fabulous, we should say.
1: Mister Fabulous,
3: that's yes, right. There
2: you go. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Trail names on here.
3: Well, I think we read that out loud together. We we do that sometimes. We read that book out loud together, and we we're like just laughing because yep. it's really funny. Yeah. Um, Mine is, I think I mentioned this earlier. My advisor actually gave this to me, the Appalachian Trail, a biography. It's by Philip, I'm going to not say, it, Denieri. Sounds about, that could be right. Got but so you,
1: you say it with confidence, people believe you. 100%. <laughs>
3: Totally. Um, But it's really good. It's more, it's really more of like the biography of the trail and how the trail was created and who was involved in that. And I actually really appreciated that because then I feel like I have a greater sense of what has gone into maintaining this footpath from Georgia to Maine before we get on trail.
1: That's interesting because I swear to you today on the way home from work, I'm thinking of, of different types of episodes that I I might uh, present to the folks out there. And one of the, one of the concepts that I came up with With was uh, everything you wanted to know about, and then it could be you know the PCT, the AT, uh, the -hmm. CDT, other other trails, and you know go through the history, the construction, you know the first person to hike it, uh, Mm -hmm. you know the FKT, just all kinds of details and minutia about that about that trail. So I have to give that I have to give that a read.
3: It's it's a good read. I really felt like it gave me a lot of context for what we were doing, and similarly talks about the first two people who through hiked the Appalachian Trail
1: hmm yeah okay fantastic thank you for both of those uh before we wrap things up i've got one more segment called what have i not asked you that you're dying to tell us about Ooh. did we leave anything out
3: i don't think so i think we i mean we meandered a lot but i think <laughs> i think we hit most of the highlights I think we did i think we did yeah
2: mm-hmm. very thorough with your questions
1: okay <laughs> fantastic that is a wrap from the john freaking Mirror studio any shout outs to friends and family
3: um we don't do specific names but definitely our friends and family supported this i will say for kevin's mom who's going to be our person a lot you know who's going to be sending us our boxes and doing what we need for the appalachian trail we definitely have to give her a shout because she's going to be you know like taking care of her car and making sure we have you know, and just clothes and things like that she sent
2: it to us and just all our friends up and down the east coast that have like reached out seen that we're hiking this and offer to like pick us up house smelly hikers all that like we're definitely going to be leaning on leaning on some people we know so Absolutely. thank you in advance
1: okay well thank you for tuning in always remember the trail is the trail it doesn't care if you want to go downhill It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've had to use your compass all day on the bushwhack up Mount Isolation. The trail is the trail. Embrace the sock.
0: It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. Oh, i deer, over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.